I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. It's not half bad. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Momodora Referee Under the Moonlight, uh, which was developed in 2016 by Bomb Service and was released on the consoles that things get released on these days. Uh, <laughs> so it was, I believe, PC, uh, Mac, Switch, and I believe it also had ports on PS4. I know it has a PS4 and an Xbox One. Uh, I could have looked that up, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, Momodora is a uh, Metroidvania game, and I'm going to start off with something that I find interesting. Uh, but first, if you could give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. And that is, this is the fourth game in a series, and I had no idea prior to playing, finishing the game, seeing the whole story. Uh, but it is a prequel, which I guess makes sense, because I hadn't heard of or played any of the previous games. Yeah, like, this game got some attention when it first came out by, like, the Dark Souls community, because mm-hmm. it came out in, like, 2016, so, like, it, that, it was still, like, fresher, like, after Dark Souls 3, and people wanted something else to play that was even a little bit like Dark Souls. Um, and so, yeah, so people played it, like, streamed it and stuff, and that's how I found out about the game. And then I think I, I knew that it was a part of a series then, but completely forgot. Mm-hmm. And, to, and then I beat this whole game and then was like looking up something about it and found like the other games in yeah. the series. I was like, oh, shit. Which are all just called Momodora. And then this one. Like one, two and three. Yeah. Which for me, when I play, when I heard about this game and when I started playing it, I was like, why'd they have to go and put a dumb subtitle on this? Like Momodora is not one of the top five names of games that I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of forgettable. Yeah. In a weird way, because it is like a funny sing songy kind of word, mm-hmm. but it's not the name of a character in the game. Uh, it seems to just call back to the other games in the series. Um, and so it, it does, it gets lost sort of. Uh, and then the subtitle is like there, it's like fucking Ender Lily's quietus of the night. Yeah. It's well, funny that you bring that one up because like, I feel, I was going to say, <laughs> I feel like there is a, like a, almost a sub genre of Metroidvanias that name themselves like Symphony of the Night. Yeah. It's very much like a, a, a the Vania half of yeah. the Metroidvania community. The Metroid half will name their game something like Axiom Verge. Just like some science-y words that mean nothing, but you say them together and they sound cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Axiom Verge, actually a good game. <laughs> I do not mean any disrespect. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, yeah, Momodora is just sort of this like silly kind of word, but I think they wanted to emphasize the sort of darker aspects of the game uh but then they also use the word reverie which usually Mm -hmm. means like you know cheerfulness playing around i don't know that's that's my topic of the name of the (laughs) game (laughs) yeah i feel like i had mentioned it to you a few times and you'd completely forgotten it every time which is understandable it also happens to me with like every game that we play true Uh, but this one especially i'm pretty sure that my inability to remember the name uh hypnospace outlaw made it in fact onto the podcast <laughs> that's also a good example though. <laughs> yeah because that name is nonsense uh but yeah so that is uh the title of the 
<laughs> but the game itself is a is a, a Metroidvania game, as we mentioned, and uh, one of my favorite things about this game is the fact that it is short, uh, which doesn't sound like a compliment, <laughs> but it is because I find it interesting that like the Metroidvania genre has sort of this like surrounding mythos where it's like these big sprawling maps when you think of a of a metroidvania you think about oh you go here and you can't go there and so you have to get an ability then you come back and this feels like you made one area in a metroidvania and then put credits at the end and i it's interesting because it allows you to really sort of drive home the aesthetic theme of the area that you're going for Mm -hmm. and make it actually work and make a metroidvania uh, an experience that is tackleable in an afternoon uh when normally they're like a multi-day experience for a casual player yeah it's something and these it probably exists somewhere else but like i was surprised i'd never come across one before because like it it feels really like appropriate like when you boil down like the things that metroidvanias do into something like this short into like a map that's this size like it just i feel like all of the metroidvania trappings like get to shine more almost like the idea of like getting to the end and then going back and doing like the extra stuff like felt like yeah i'll do that and not like a (laughs) thing that would be kind of fun for a little bit and get tedious at least to me because it will take hours yeah because it will take hours and hours um and, uh, or you might get confused and like how to get around mm-hmm. and stuff, but like, yeah, this one, uh, yeah, it just, something about it felt good, um, at the size that it is. They yeah. threaded a needle, I think. And to build onto sort of the idea of like letting the, the mechanics shine, um, the whole, one of the hallmark mechanics of Metroidvanias is that backtracking where you pick up an item and then you go back and find the place where you need to use it. And in a traditional Metroidvania, and obviously we just talked about Dread, so I use it as an example, uh, there are often times when there will be an area that you might register in your brain as being a thing that you'll need to come back for after you get an ability, but then you just forget about it, and you go through most of the game before you get that ability, and then when you rediscover it, it's almost just sort of like... A new area. Yeah, like, oops. Like, I I forgot about this completely. Momodora actually allows you to keep those areas in your head. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, four abilities. So as you get each ability, you can pinpoint if you have a good memory or have a fuzzy idea like I did mm-hmm. uh, where the things were that you needed to go back to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it... it... I think it really nails it, and, like, it almost kind of feels like it could have gone, like, one more area and felt totally appropriate, but it didn't need it. Like, it feels very much like a product of, like, design by subtraction mm-hmm. um, in a way yeah, that really shines. Like, yeah, it was never, uh, I never once was like, ah, man, I don't know if I want to do that when I would think about, like, going back to the, like, the, was it a bunny that you gave the bugs to? Oh, yeah. I never did that. Oh, yeah. I did a few times. Uh, she gave you upgrades. Oh, cool. But um, yeah, that was, and I feel like in other games, I might, that might be a thing. Like Blasphemous mm-hmm. was a good example. There were a couple of collectibles that seemed mysterious and intriguing, but I was like, where did I find that guy? He was probably <laughs> nailed to a tree or something. Uh, it was probably like in the bottom left corner of the map. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go over there. Whatever. 
You don't have that in this game. Yeah. There was, like, one type of collectible in Blasphemous that I gave even one fuck about. Um, well, okay, I gave a single fuck about the, uh, whatever you had to give to the the foot guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not to retread Blasphemous conversation, but Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, what didn't work about the implementation in that game is, like, it had mystery and the intrigue. Like, it stood out to me, but, like, they felt too optional like there was no incentive to engage with the collectibles really yeah there's no like tangible like reward when you actually engaged with it yeah like i wanted to complete my bones collection yeah but, but you didn't get anything for it yeah so i just never did like it, it it just did not get you to to want it and we did talk about that on this and i think that the bugs fill a similar have a similar problem in this game mm. uh where i i did find the person t- to give them to or the animal to give them to but did not remember where they were uh, and just never bothered to go back i never really yeah, wanted to yeah, yeah for me it was the size of the map because i do mm. agree it's got a similar problem you don't need to do it right but like i just went through there enough times that i was always like yeah like it's, it was never that far away when i would think about it Sure. Depending on where it is, because I don't remember. It's e- like the- on the more right side of the map. There's a kind of like a vertical shaft. Um, it's like the garden area. Uh. It's kind of near where you fight the big titted antlered woman uh, <laughs> the second time. It's like near there. Yeah. Um, hey, let's talk about... That big titted antlered woman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I might have just missed something or wasn't paying attention... Or could have looked this up. I thought it'd be funnier to talk about here. Um, I thought she was going to be like the final boss because, mm. like, she you see her in all the screenshots and she's on in the like the clip or not the clip art, the thumbnail art mm-hmm. and everything, and in the trailer, and in the trailer. Um, mostly because she's got big titties, but like, um, <laughs> I think literally like, that is why. Yeah, but like, what was what did? She seemed like a significant character, and then she just proceeds to not do anything. She was like, uh, she's a witch. Yeah. I know this. She's like a like a swamp you just kinda, witch. Yeah, you just like fight her twice, and that's it. Yeah, and the first fight I really like from a mechanical standpoint. I uh-huh. like you fighting. <laughs> Trust me, it's it's fully a mechanical. Uh, <laughs> I fight this boss for the mechanics. Uh, but it, you fight like a little bug who can't do much to you and his attacks are really heavily mm-hmm. like telegraphed. But then halfway through the fight, it just busts the floor open, like cursed Roddy Greatwood style. Mm-hmm. And you fall into a second arena where the witch herself fights you. And I remember thinking the exact same thing when she showed up and I was like, oh, like... Yeah, like- I wasn't surprised to fight her early on. I just mm-hmm. thought she would be like a reoccurring thing that would lead to the end of the game. Like a like a Ridley or something. Like not the final boss, but like a prominent like antagonist sure. that you fight along the way. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't know necessarily what the story of this game was me me neither i don't i don't think much really happens yeah uh but i feel like no matter what the story is 
or whatever context you put it in, having this incredibly goofy character model be your final boss would undermine it in some way. (laughs) She would turn into, like, a horrible monster or something. Of course, yeah. yeah. like... But yeah, it's incredibly goofy, and, like, the pixel art in this game, and we're gonna segue a million times. Oh, yeah. uh, Is extremely good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I knew a little bit more of, like, pixel art terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it has, like, a quality where it's it's not as sharp as some pixel art is. Like, the really detailed kind, like a Blasphemous or, like, an Owl Boy or mm-hmm. games like that. Um, but it's not, like, super simple, like something like a Celeste. It sits in a nice middle ground where, like, your eye kind of, like... You know, like classic pixel art, but like it has like a particular like uh, like it falls kind of in between, like more on the lo-fi side, but like just enough detail that it's like really pleasant and like the backgrounds are cool. Yeah, it seems like it has exactly the amount of detail necessary in order to make the animations look as yeah, good as yeah, they yeah. do. Um, because there's a lot of, I, and like, obviously they use a lot of like motion blur and things like that to sell the the weight of the animations. Um, which goes a long way considering that you know that you were fighting people with literally a leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to like communicate it dealing damage uh, when you start with that assumption. Mm-hmm. They do a lot in terms of like animation and hit stop and sound effects to make it work. Um, but they also have a ton of, of little detail to all of the elements. And that's what makes me hate the big titty uh, witch so much is because she shows up and it is so goofy. Well, yeah, it's because the rest of the game looks like a pixel art game and then she looks like straight up like an anime character. Yeah. And that's how everything is stylized, like in all of the key art and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the game doesn't look like that itself. Right. Or that's like the classic argument of like older jrpgs like uh people hear people talk about that with like chrono trigger they're like the toriyama art does not look like how i imagined these characters like from the sprites Mm -hmm. sort of thing and that makes sense like that's uh kind of a classic like pixel art issue like you can't make things look that good it's just i i hate enjoying myself in a game And then being reminded that they're trying to sell the game to people who are enticed by jiggling boobies. Uh, because it's just, it's really awkward. And I'm oh, glad yeah. that we picked the game before I ever watched the trailer. Oh, yeah. Because there'd be that pit in my stomach where I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're going to have to talk about the fucking big old titties, huh? Mm-hmm. That's just going to be a thing. <laughs> and here we are talking about it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a, <laughs> just like a no-win kind of situation. Because like... It does not really fit with anything else in the game, um, which is good because the rest of the game isn't like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, as you said, they kind of market it that way. uh, And that's kind of lame. Yeah. Like you almost want them to kind of lean into it more so it fits better, but then we wouldn't be talking about it. So, (laughs) well, I don't know. Because like you, you compare it, there's a couple of ways to do it. I think because obviously they're just people who want to do it and people who want to buy it. Uh, Sure. And, like, obviously the the far... Just the, the classic old-fashioned uh, sex cells angle. Yeah. <laughs> the far-to-one-direction method is obviously your DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball. Uh-huh. Uh, 
You could give it. You got like a bayonetta in there or something. Yeah, like yeah. bayonetta is one way to do it. I still think that like, was a little bit egregious, yeah, but near. like near. I think Xenoblade is a good example because mm. it is distracting, but yeah, it's, at least... it's so frequent that you get used to it. Yeah, I mean it's not an excuse, but at least that one is like clearly like an anime aesthetic. Yeah, so it. it feels like more expected mm-hmm. and not like out of nowhere when you find it <laughs> yeah so yeah that was that's my experience i would say with the with the swamp witch <laughs> yeah um uh, so you mentioned there that you attack things with a leaf i do um which is something and you were talking about the animations oh, in the game. um yeah in the in the game um but uh, I don't know if there's too much more to say about it. But like, I just think that's really cool. I really love when when games have like a distinct like weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was one thing that drew me to this. Like when I saw it, it's like you play as this little like shrine maiden priestess girl that like just whips this leaf around. And like in my imagination, I'm like, oh, like yeah, you wield the leaf and it maybe like cuts things, like like paper cuts, like it's really sharp or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a unique idea and I think it's fun. Um, and yeah, and it feel, this game feels really good to control. Um, like with you were talking about with the animations, like everything feels really fluid. And there's something about like the idea of like a leaf flying around. I don't know, it's something about that fits. Like um, a lot of games use those like speed lines. Um, you know, things like Hyper Light Drifter and, like, pretty much every 2D game uh, has them to, like, sell the uh, swing arc of the sword. Um, and it, it feels almost like they started with that with no weapon, and they were like, what does this shape make me think of? <laughs> uh, and they just made it a leaf. Yeah. It almost feels like that. It just fits and is really cool. I... Yeah, you, you're. it gives the weapon not only, like, a, a distinct sort of, like sense of what it is like the motion lines are very like fat and chunky Mm -hmm. like they're a great way to like to to sell the animation but then in addition the game has a ton of very interesting particle effects um there's like the shit that pops off your enemies when you hit them and like the little dust cloud when you double jump uh it, it like there's a really uh, f- like forest nymphy kind mm. of feel to everything that happens in the game. Yeah, because it's got all of these like sparkly and and like textured uh like effects that go yeah. on. It's almost kind of weird <laughs> that you say that because when you when you said the word reverie and it being like a playful thing, I I I kind of thought of that. Like there is like a kind of little bit of a whimsical feel to it. Yeah. Like there's even like there's like these little forest nymph enemies in like the first area, uh, that are like kind of sprightly and stuff. I don't. Yeah, that's just a good good call. I Very. Think. Sp- they reminded me of um, uh, what were they called? So I feel they have a dumb name called like the Poe Brothers or something in uh, Kirby's Dreamland. Uh, the little bouncing dudes with the hats that throw bombs at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that sort of like motion pattern and are also like, I don't know, that kind of like sort of bait out and attack, then go into attack them sort of like strategy to them. And it gives the whole first area sort of like, it has a, it works, it's tutorial purpose really well into all of these enemies because it introduces you to like your movement the enemy movement and like status effects are are included even though there's only really one in the game uh and it's just i don't know they they yes they do look very playful and fun uh but they also serve a purpose and i don't know i it made me think the game was actually going to be pretty tough Mm. uh even though it didn't really pan out that way 
Um, mm-hmm. But it was, that was a, uh, I was like, man, these guys are actually like making me think about what I'm going to do uh, to to do my attacks and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it almost kind of feels like a nice, like, something I hadn't even really thought about till um, we started talking about this, but, like, a nice, like, contrast, because, like, all the areas that aren't, like, the main city um, have that quality to them, where they're, like, a little bit, like, brighter, a little little sprightlier, a little cuter. Uh, like we said, like, there's a rabbit person who's, like, a vendor. There's, like, a little clown guy. Yeah, he's got like the white makeup on his face. Like, yeah, like everything's a little bit like nice and whimsical. And then you get to like the Yarnum city, <laughs> and it's like a like a lot bleaker. Um, there's more male characters there. I don't know if that's like a an intentional thing or just a coincidence, but um, yeah, and like it, it just becomes less that like when you're in like the curse uh, influenced city area. Yeah. There are very few. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel comfortable enough with this game's lore for me to be able to, like, make any comments necessarily on the themes <laughs> that they were going for. Uh-huh. But there are, like, few, very few to only a couple male characters in the whole game. Mm-hmm. It's a very female dominated cast. Uh, which also makes the Big City Witch feel really out of place. Because, <laughs> like, you would imagine. With the way that it's set up, because, like, you were a priestess coming from a, like, clan of other priestesses, mm-hmm. and you are meeting up with predominantly their other priestesses, the final boss is a queen, mm-hmm. um, and most of the other enemies you fight, like, all the bosses, I think, are female as well. Um, I don't I- know about the gender of that bird thing. <laughs> I I legitimately think that they're referred to as a her. Mm. I think it might be a ROM situation where they ended mm. up turned into some kind of nightmare beast. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird... like it, To me, it feels like that's like part of the game's philosophy. But then also the big titty anime <laughs> lady makes me think that they're just doing it because they want to have key art of anime girls drawn, which is awkward and weird. But I, I, I would imagine... I, I would hope to imagine it is mm-hmm. more the former than the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, the Karst City, which is that main city we're talking about, if we want to discuss, we don't want to, but just to make a note of it, if you were to compare the story to something, it would be the never-ending story. <laughs> because it, there's like a wave of corruption coming out from the one city, and then you have to go rename the queen. To yeah. the former queen, <laughs> who is dead now because I killed them. Uh, <laughs> and so that is sort of, to me, the, the like, overarching structure, I would Yeah, say. yeah, and you got, like, the classic, like, save the world from a curse thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, yeah, it's just a very classic, like, fantasy slash video game kind of setup. Yeah. Uh, do we, do we want to talk about just sort of combat mechanics and then maybe lead into sort of bosses and enemies, that kind of a thing? Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned very early at the beginning of this that it got picked up by a lot of people in the Dark Souls community. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it sure did seem like it was going to be kind of a Dark Souls thing, uh, for a while. It it def- it falls into what I'm gonna call like a sub sub genre 
of the of the souls like metroidvania there's like a third step down that is like that consists of games like uh uh hollow knight and blasphemous uh salt and sanctuary things like that Actually, Salt and Sanctuary is way closer yeah, to the regular yeah, Dark Souls Metroidvania. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, Salt and Sanctuary is just trying to be two D Dark Souls. Yeah, so th- <laughs> this is like a sub subgenre in which, like, the combat focused Metroidvania that feels like it's doing enough of its own thing. Yeah, like where it doesn't take the stamina meter thing in, and maybe it does like other stuff. Like this game has like a double jump. That's mm-hmm. not all that common in a Souls-like, no. but it is really common in Metroidvania, so I feel like it, it leans more into that part of the genre. Yeah. Um, and that, that to me, is sort of like the Dark Souls influence is like your animations are slow and very committal, and you have a dodge roll. Yeah, and you have like essentially like Estus and Bonfires. Yeah. Uh, which like checkpoints, sure. Yeah, checkpoints. The are, Estus, yeah. absolutely though, and that's something I did not give enough uh, <laughs> yeah. consideration to. I actually love the way that the items are implemented in this game. Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea that most of your items are single use, but you can refresh them. It's kind of like a D and D thing, like where you can mm, use yeah, a short rest. Yeah, and then you just take a short rest and you replenish that the use there. Uh, that feels really good to me. Like, I loved the item that just makes you deal 50% more damage for, like, a minute or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was, like, I used that all the time. Just because I knew I'd get it back when I got to the next bonfire. So, sometimes you strategize around it. Like, when you go to a boss and you're like, during this part of the boss, I know I can do a bunch of damage all at once without taking a bunch. So, I use it here. But then other times you're just going through the level and you're like, fuck this guy in particular. And so you pop the seed and just kill the shit out of him. Um, and, like, the light item, I think, is neat as well. The one that lights up areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't use all that many other ones, uh, uh, except, like, just occasionally to try them out. Right. Um, but I, I really like that system. Yeah, you yeah, know, I agree. Uh, I, I, yeah, it makes you wish that more of them, yeah, were more necessary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, there's one a really interesting one that you get at the end of the game that is like uh this is just like a trade off sort of mechanic that's in a ton of games that is just like the hyper version of the more damage one mm-hmm. where you deal a hundred percent more damage but also take double damage. Uh I think it's neat. I was always too scared to use it. Yeah, no, I can, I never used it either. Yeah, which makes me feel a little ashamed, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, I liked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think about the, uh, the fact that you have like a morph ball style power up that is just turning into a cat? I wish that I didn't have to use an item for <laughs> it because that annoyed me. Yeah. It would be nice if it was just on a button. Yeah. I, I like it generally. Um, I... But, I mean, I don't, I'm not, like, a big, like, it's not like, oh, the cat thing was what was cool about it. Uh-huh. I like its implementation. I think it is good, and the animations were really good. Um, for the cat, like, it felt, like, bouncy, I guess, like, the way that it should. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do wish that you tap down twice, like, the morph ball, instead of having to, like, tab over yeah, to I, it. I feel or, like, go equip the item yeah. even worse. <laughs> I feel like this game definitely had plenty of open buttons to put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, no, I I like it too. But um, it, it just made me think of guacamole uh, and the fact that you have a similar thing where you turn into a rooster. Um, I just thought that was like a weird like uh thing to pop up in multiple games. But, yeah. Um, it's an interesting take on it. it. It makes me think of like Sword in the Stone, where Merlin turns uh, Arthur into like a bunch of different animals and stuff. Like it, it feels like a good fit for like a fantasy game. Yeah, it's, in a weird way. It's weird also how it is introduced because you're oh, like yeah. taken captive, and then you just wake up as a cat. Uh, and the way that it, the scene switches, it's like, oh, now we're in the perspective of this cat. Which maybe is like a relevant character, something that we'll learn at some point in the game, mm-hmm. uh, and then like you just turn back into the girl, and I was like, oh, and she doesn't seem like bothered by it. Like mm-hmm. if there was a scene of her like turning back into a human and then like puking on the ground <laughs> and being like, what the fuck, that would have mimicked more what my reaction was because uh-huh. it didn't. It felt like it wasn't signaled ever that she was capable of doing that. Now, I don't. It, it, the way I read the scene, um, and there's really no context, so we'll never know uh, what the intention were, was. But, like, I got the impression that, like, wh- whoever captured her turned her into the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she ha- was not able to do it beforehand. But why does she then have the item that lets her turn back? I don't know. It's weird. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh I mean, but that you is didn't probably have it before, right. so like it has to have come from somewhere. Yeah, like, it, it's a cool like I like think I like the idea. Like it's a cool way to introduce the mechanic. It, it just feels like not well thought out. Like it just kind of happens and you immediately change back. Like you don't have to go through like a whole area as a cat mm. to like get the item to change back. Like I feel like that even just that would make it work better and feel less like that was a weird. Speed bump. Yeah, like a weird non sequitur scene yeah. where you just are a cat for some reason. It's it's strange, and I, I like the implementation of it, except for the item usage part. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is overall, I think, a positive mechanic. It's just introduced in the strangest way. Uh, it also gives you sort of like, because you go through the game assuming that you aren't going to be able to do a morph ball. Uh, Did you? <laughs> I did. I I saw the things. I noticed, yeah, like plenty of areas that had like long, skinny tunnels. Right. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get an upgrade for the arrows that make Uh, them like shoot faster so they can make it to the end of the tunnel. And you do. Interestingly, you do get that item. Uh, But I didn't predict Morph Ball in the form of turning into a cat. No, no. I didn't think it was going to be that way. I knew there was going to be something. Right. Uh, So I don't know. I, I like I like it. Generally, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to talk about bosses? I do. It's the only thing that consumes my brain. Uh, there are five bosses. Yeah, there's not too many. Yeah, it's like only a few. There's like a centipede man. Right at the beginning. Yeah. Man. There's the the bird thing. Yeah. A knight. Yeah. The ghost mm-hmm. and the final boss. I might be forgetting big something. Big titty anime witch? Yeah, twice. Right. So kind of seven bosses or six, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I generally really loved all of them. I liked them. This is one of the few games where I felt like 
the boss part of it was really well done. Uh, it felt very like in this game is obviously one that's going for sort of a retro vibe. This felt very old style, like in the way the bosses were designed. They have like a they flash before they attack, mm-hmm. and then they have like these either big area of effect attacks or like they'll fly across the screen. It's not like tiny detailed animations uh mm-hmm. where they have like oh maybe a quick jab with potentially the exception of the knight most of them are like these big flashy animations um and just like visually i thought they were all really cool except for the big titty anime lady and uh like i i, I thought all the moves were really well implemented they did overuse white particle effect explosions mm-hmm. maybe a little bit much but generally just really liked all of them yeah, I almost kind of feel like they skewed a little bit too far towards the easier side, but the other part of my brain that totally agrees with you thinks that maybe they just got it right, where it was like a satisfying level mm-hmm. of challenge, but um, I don't know, I felt like once I got into the game, like the the bosses weren't really that hard. Yeah, I gotta shout something out here that might influence my decision, or my my opinion on these uh-huh. things. Um, I struggled for a long time on the bird boss, mm. um, and it took me a while, and I just gave up and just put the game down for the night. And I talked to you later about it, and you were like, stand in the corner and shoot arrows at it. And that transformed <laughs> my playthrough 100%, because I had shot maybe two arrows oh yeah prior to you telling me to do that and i remember shooting an arrow at this boss and going like that does like piddly bullshit damage i gotta get in there for the big boy muscle leaf damage that i know i want so badly Uh uh-huh uh and the arrows are way too good yeah the arrows are just too good period and probably should have been retooled before the game went to release yeah yeah they almost feel like um like metroid e, where you there are some bosses where you can kind of stand back and just unload on them mm-hmm. uh which what i did with the bird boss um it just kind of i felt like the short like the um the range of the leaf was a little too short that it drove me pretty organically towards the bow mm-hmm. um so yeah no i agree it's too good um if you're ever having any even a little bit of trouble with anything you can kind of just like back <laughs> off and shoot arrows yeah Oh, did you bring up the boss, and I might have just zoned out and not heard you uh, say it, but it's, like, the two women, like, one of them is, like, a and one's archer, in the back. and one of them is, like, a witch, or a Oh, is she a magic knight? Knight? I call I don't her the remember. knight, because yeah. it's the knight and the archer, but right. it could be something else here. She might have been, like, a magic knight. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't take damage from arrows. Right. So you yeah, have to You have to her. hit her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was great, but I but was... then when the archer jumps back in, you just you can hit her with arrows. So like if you're if you're worried about losing like you're low on health potions, you don't ne- no need to worry when she jumps in. You yeah. can just wail on her. Specifically that boss. In fact, I I had been up to after beating the bird boss using arrow after beating the bird box challenge uh-huh. uh by using the bird boss challenge <laughs> by uh shooting arrows at it i was like i'm not gonna do that for other bosses uh and then when i got to that boss i was out of healing items when the second boss jumped in mm-hmm. i was like hope you like arrows because here comes one thousand of them at rapid speeds 
uh, and killed her with arrows and <laughs> just yep. didn't worry about it. And then also, I would have the final boss mm-hmm. having a great time fighting that boss only using melee yeah and just doing melee damage and it was great and then there was a move that she does where she just does a big circle area of effect and because i didn't have anything else to do during that time i charged an arrow shot Mm -hmm. to the highest level and then when she dropped it and i shot her with all the arrows fucking mccree quick draw style it just deals like a fucking eighth of her health bar (laughs) in one hit and i was like this is insane this is an insane amount of damage for no effort whatsoever. <laughs> it's really bizarre how like skewed the power level is toward the ranged stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, also speaking on the final boss, like I, I felt like she was disappointingly easy. Like it, I'm sure it's like a difficulty curve thing and she isn't actually, but she almost felt like the easiest boss in the game to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> She, I like even her... the third phase, yeah. like wasn't that bad. So I died on the on the like I think I lost to her once. Yes, and it was when I went back to the game to get the third phase. Yeah, uh, she killed me in the third phase because I was just being a jackass and was like didn't know that there was going to be a third phase. Right, and then when the third phase came, I was like, well, fuck. And only dark remains. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oops, I guess I needed to not just play very aggressively on the first two phases so i had like any healing left for this one uh so that was the only time i died to her i beat her on the first try the first time and the second try uh for the the multi-phase version uh so yeah i agree i think potentially it's there for people who didn't seek out any secrets and were coming at her with way less health or less healing items mm-hmm. um possibly i don't know or without the ability to use fire on your fucking <laughs> leaf, because that was dope. Right. Uh, yeah. But, like, also, the other bosses I thought were fun. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. All of them were fun. Mm-hmm. Except that bird. Man, <laughs> I, I liked that boss. I don't like the bird. He only took me two tries. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like the bird because it was a boss that had contact damage and, mm. and didn't have to do an attack. And it's a game where you have to be this close to somebody to deal damage to them. Right. And you have a dodge roll. Like, to me, dodge roll screams don't just deal damage when you run into something. Yeah. And there are other enemies that do that. One of the things that I actually really liked about this game is how, like, insanely lethal just basic enemies are. Uh, Like, a dog is, like, half your health bar if you get hit by it. Uh, so I would always end up like trying to stun lock things, which was like actually kind of a fun strategy. So, so I wanted to shout out the music and like the, and like the sound effects. Um, cause I, I, there's not a lot of music in this cause it is short and it doesn't have too many areas, but like, I mean like the main music that plays in a lot of the areas is like really good. Uh, I just, I just liked it a lot. It's one of those, um, kind of songs that like. 
I would like find on YouTube and like put in like a D and D campaign for like ambient music. Now is is the time I think in the podcast where I remind everybody that art is subjective. Yeah, and the way that you feel about uh, a, a piece of art, something that makes you feel something, might not be the way that it affects other people. Mm-hmm. I thought most of the music in this game was about on the level with Castle Past. <laughs> really? I I not hated. Hated is the wrong word. Was bored by uh. almost every theme in this game. I I didn't find any of them toe tappers or catchy or having like a good melody. No, it's it's more like it was appealing in the way that that like Dark Souls character creator or that Resident Evil save room theme is. Like it, it has that kind of really slow tempo and kind of like like harp plucking <laughs> like melody or like right. slow piano or whatever. Yeah. N- n- no toe tappers, for no sure. Ta- definitely no toe tappers. Uh, just uh, that one theme I-, I really liked. Yeah, I might. I would have to go back, I think, and like really pay attention to it, because like this is one of those games where like once I got into the thick of it, I was mostly just like listening to a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so like it was. I, the music I will continue was to shame you for that. I don't know. Maybe. No, it's really common to do, but like. It bothers the crap out of me to, like, not hear the sound of the game. Right. Well, I could hear the sound. Sure. But it was just, like... Sound design is so important. Yeah. But the sound... you Because you were like, I want to talk a bit about the music. And I was like, why? But then you were like, and the sound effects. I was like, you reel me back in. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're really good. The sound effects are very good, yeah. Yeah. I think the sound design of this game is is incredible. I already mentioned it in, in how it lends weight to the attacks and stuff. But, like... When you do a double jump in this game, it makes a sound effect that I can only describe as like you would spell it as like T S C H, like a t- yeah, and it's and it has a little puff when mm-hmm. you double jump, and it looks super good, and it sounds great. The attacks feel very weighty, uh, and uh, just I don't know, enemies satisfyingly bit crunched. Yeah, like it has that. That good, good. Uh, if you if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, the and also the ghoulish laughs of the mage enemies, mm-hmm. uh, which alert you to their presence and also just sound like right out of a Castlevania game. Uh, just great shit all around. I think on on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like with a lot of games, like it didn't really stand out to me quite so much when I was playing. But then, like, I was, like, watching a review on YouTube or something to, mm-hmm. to refresh on some stuff, and I heard that song. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, it, it really stood out to me when I heard it again. Um, I did that with, like, Hollow Knight as well. Like, I remember not loving the music in that, but mm-hmm. then hearing some of the songs later and being like, oh, this is, like, really great. Like, I don't know how I didn't <laughs> notice it at the time. Um, and same thing with the sound effects. I was like, oh, those are really crunchy. And, like, you know, like, when I was, like, hearing them played back to me after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, they just sound good. Yeah, and they fit really well with the game. Uh, it's it, it was just a good job. That dog <laughs> agrees. Do we have fig leaf thoughts? Uh, my fig leaf thoughts. Um, it's a, it's not a fig leaf. Also, <laughs> sure, fall leaf. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, fall leaf thought. Um, <laughs> this is another. I guess like. In the um, Metroidvania like success story, I guess there's a lot of those these days. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, but this one, in a way that stands out, I think. Um, I like how streamlined it is. Like I, I mentioned, it felt like very designed by subtraction earlier. Um, in 
it really does feel like yeah like they focused on all the right things um and i i do think like it's weird to say that it feels like making the world as small as it is feels like almost like experimental for the genre um but it kind of did like it just felt like really satisfying to be like oh like i wonder if like we can make a satisfying uh game in this genre but make it like really short uh and the answer was yes apparently um (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was just really enjoyable to play. Um, I'm sure we have a lot of other examples of games we said this about, but, like, it's really satisfying to just play through this, like, just kind of plow through it and, like, just have a satisfying, like, four- to five-hour uh, experience with it. Um, so, yeah, just really smooth and uh, polished, and I liked it. Yeah. Uh, you you straight up gobbled up all my uh, final thoughts on that one. Uh I, I want to, yeah, I want to shout out specifically, I think, that this is one of those indie Metroidvania success stories, but I also don't think that, I think that that is in itself sort of uh, another success of the game. Because, like, for every Hollow Knight or Blasphemous uh, that we've talked about, and ones that get a lot of, of play, you Yeah, know, there's ten like bad ones. Yeah, there's a million of these, and I bet some of those are fucking good, too. Um, but, and to roll into it, like, this is not one of my favorite genres. I feel like Metroidvanias, by and large, are, like, Metroid and Castlevanias, and then a lot of things that don't do it for me. Mm. Um, and, oh, fuck, I really should have mentioned this during the podcast. Uh, I was just about to mention Ori, uh, as an example of one that's, like, a big success that I didn't like because it just, it leans into the tropes of the genre I'm not a fan of continues to surprise me because i felt like the platforminess of it would have made you like it but yeah it's a we'll we'll rehash ori at some point in the future but between ori blasphemous and this game i think i'm just done with uh one hit kill death spikes Mm. i i the first time that you just get oops i fell into it isn't that just most video games though yeah but it's way worse than a metroidvania because like you have like a set save point that you're going back to mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily true in ori but it could be worse in ori depending sure, on how you, you need like a it. mario like you, you can fall on him three times yeah have me bounce back up holding my ass and go whoa, 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 whoa. that's what i specifically that <laughs> and you can't do it any other way because that was like my biggest point of frustration with this game is like I, I just wouldn't know death spikes. They were there. <laughs> they probably I probably died to them. I just don't remember it. The whole last area is like fucking chock full mm. of them. It's just lousy with death spikes. <laughs> and the biggest problem is when you just wouldn't notice them because you're me, right. uh, and then you fall onto the spikes and die, and then you have to go back to the checkpoint. It gets annoying. Um, but to- that's fucking just had to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when you look at games like that, uh, like Ori and like Blasphemous, it's like, to me, they're always fighting sort of like, it feels like this game is trying to do more than it is capable of doing. Like, Hollow Knight is an exception because it is exceptional in most of its things. Yeah, it's wild. Not to keep drawing this out, but like, uh, <laughs> if you listen to like some of them talk about developing the game, like... The guy who did, like, the art and animations apparently was just able to crank it out so fast, and it's a big part of why they were able to do so much. Right. He's like, I would just, like, draw this character and have it all, like, animated out in, like, three hours. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. 
uh, anyway. Yeah. But then this game ends up being really successful for me because it is like a four to five hour kind of thing. Uh, the fact that you're able to just sort of bust through it uh, really makes what is good in this game shine and doesn't feel like it's overstepping its own boundaries. So we interjected some regular podcast <laughs> yeah. in there, but that's probably how I would describe my feelings on it. Good. Liked that it was focused. Didn't like that it had one hit kill random death spikes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What's going on next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about whatever we fucking want to. <laughs> or whatever you fucking want us to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we will most likely not be like regularly fielding new suggestions for things. Uh, but if you've got a real Cracker Jack like episode, especially for Pocket... Uh, game that you want to recommend we're doing a full uh, fan submitted games February aka February uh, <laughs> so if you've got a good one feel free to leave it in the comments we'll check it out It'll maybe it'll make like the second half of the month mm -hmm. uh, but I would say based on what we've seen so far if you got pocket suggestions, fucking throw them at us. I'm not doing no fucking Final Fantasy game for pocket. I mean, like, we played two hours of Final Fantasy 15. Uh, I've played all of Final Fantasy 15, and Chad has played two hours. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. Here's what I thought about fishing. Um... Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us uh, at the fishing hole in Final Fantasy XV, where I will be, uh, or on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find all of our contact information, including our email, our Twitter, the Discord. Uh, you can listen to all of our old episodes, which are also posted over on our YouTube channel, uh, including the episode we just did on Metroid Dread. Uh, Blasphemous, we mentioned multiple times. Or in the Blind Forest, a little bit older at this mm -hmm. point. Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight, yep. And uh, if you watch on YouTube, all of our more recent ones have video along with them. You can watch me be bad at games. Yeah. And if you watch the Ori one, you'll have to imagine me being bad at games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking dunk that light like button in a vat of green tea. That's all. That's it. Done. <laughs> you got it. Got it in one. Smack around the titties of that big witch in the comment section. Oh, ring that bell. That's the thing you do in the game. Oh, you do ring a bell. Ring that bell. Yep. In the sound garden, you must wait until, until the mics are sounding great. Until the <laughs>